Chapter thirty four of Geographical Reader Europe by Frank G. Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. Chapter thirty four in St. Petersburg. Stand with me on the dome of St. Isaac's Cathedral and take a look at the great city of St. Petersburg. We have been traveling for days to the northward and are at last in the capital of the Russian Empire on the neva river not far from the baltic we have driven in our droskies from our hotel down the nevsky prospect the chief street of the city and along the banks of the neva to this mighty church we have climbed around and around up the five hundred steps inside its dome and we now stand on its topmost point three hundred feet above the earth in one of the most curious cities of the world below us on every side extends a vast plain of houses cut up by the great river neva and the many canals off in the distance at the west we can see the fortifications of kronstadt at the mouth of the river on the gulf of finland and in front of us are beautiful islands dotted with the homes of the nobles while at our back both to the right and the left stretches the city the country about is composed of swamps and morasses there are great woods and fields to be seen here and there and everywhere the silvery river and canals sparkle under the rays of the sun the city is a vast plain of two three and four-story houses built of brick or stone plastered with yellow stucco and roofed with iron plates painted dark brown it is laid out in acute angles and here from the dome of st isaac's it looks like an immense crazy quilt of brown diamond-shaped patches sewed together with white streets and tied with knots of white chimneys what a lot of chimneys there are hundreds to every square and every house is dotted with them st petersburg is far to the northward it is covered with ice and snow throughout the winter and the sparks fly up those chimneys from november until may it is so cold that the houses have double windows and every room has its enormous porcelain stove such as we saw in berlin notice how solidly the city is built and what a space each building covers the neva is walled with stones and the great houses seem founded on rocks they are so large that they cover a mighty area that crazy quilt is twenty-five miles in circumference and many of its block-like patches are as big as a good-sized farm the vast houses are built in flats or apartments as in paris berlin and vienna but the rooms are much larger and the buildings cover more space here and there we can see a great palace belonging to one of the nobles that red structure on the banks of the neva at the end of the nevsky prospect is the winter palace where the emperor holds his receptions it has rooms which are larger than a good-sized house and its halls are so wide that you could turn a four-horse wagon load of hay inside them without touching the walls it has so many rooms that the emperor does not know what is going on in all of them and it is said that the servants once rented some of them as a stable and that when a great fire occurred a cow and a goat were dragged out with the furniture now let your eyes run along the nevsky prospect that is the widest avenue of st petersburg and its chief business street many of the enormous buildings upon it are palaces others are stores and great bazaars which are filled with hundreds of merchants on the opposite side of the neva 
you can see immense wholesale houses extending for miles along the quays while the river and its canals filled with shipping make you think of the views from the tower of the palace in amsterdam but what are those immense golden mounds which rise above the buildings in different parts of the city some have tall spires painted in the brightest of colors those are russian churches and cathedrals they are among the grandest of europe some having cost many millions of dollars notice this church of st isaac's upon which we are standing its dome is almost as big as that of the capitol at washington and it is made of copper plated with gold it took two hundred pounds of solid gold to cover it and the cathedral itself has cost about twenty million dollars let us descend and go through the church it is like walking through a museum it has so many beautiful things in marble precious stones and gold carvings the cathedral floor covers almost two acres it is of many colored marbles and the walls are of marble inlaid with gold carvings only a rich man in america can own a table of malachite and we sometimes see jewel boxes and breastpins of that precious stone in st isaac's on the two sides of the altar there are eight columns of malachite each as high as a three-story house there are also two pillars of lapis lazuli while the fence about the altar is of golden posts set into a railing of the purest white marble the kazan cathedral not far away has a balustrade of solid silver about its altar while the cathedral of st peter and st paul blazes with gold and its mighty golden spire can be seen for miles around there are scores of other churches here in st petersburg there are chapels in all parts of the city and it is the same in the other great cities of russia wherever we go all over the country we shall find churches and chapels the russians are very religious it is the same in the large towns as we found at in the villages every man has a picture of the saviour of the virgin mary or of a saint in his house and every person crosses himself and says his prayers many times a day the chief religion of russia is that of the greek orthodox church the emperor himself is the head of the church and there are priests by the thousands all over the country they dress in black gowns wear their hair long and have high caps on their heads they are appointed by the emperor in connection with the holy synod which aids him in managing the church there are however other churches in russia for the empire is so vast that it has all sorts of religions it has many roman catholics and in finland many lutherans there are numerous mohammedans along the volga and in southern russia and hundreds of thousands of jews in western russia and poland chinese confucianists and buddhists in the east and in the caucasus mountains there are many armenians from st isaac's cathedral we take droskies and drive to the great government buildings some of them are larger than the biggest department buildings of washington and as we ride on through one magnificent street after another we are more and more amazed at the solidity of the great russian capital and still st petersburg is built on a swamp its very existence is an evidence of the strength of character of the russians the other great capitals we have seen have arisen largely from commercial and manufacturing reasons growing out of their situation london is at the head of navigation of the thames paris is on the seine in the centre of manufacturing and commercial france 
venice grew up on account of the shipping trade of the adriatic and amsterdam and rotterdam were built up because they were the commercial centers of the seafaring dutch nation st petersburg was formed at the command of peter the great by a people who lived far away from it in the interior and who had no reason for building it except the command of their ruler peter the great had traveled through the different countries of europe in order to study how he might better govern his people and make the most of the great russian empire he visited holland and england and other countries where he saw how the seaports helped build up a nation and how valuable the navy was for its defense while away he learned shipbuilding and he came back determined that his country must have both a seaport and a great navy he could not start his men-of-war out from the black sea because he was shut off by turkey which held then and still holds the bosporus the only passage out to the mediterranean the lands along the arctic ocean were too far away and too cold and so he chose this place on the gulf of finland at the mouth of the neva he was not alarmed because it was swampy nor did he fear because it was covered with woods he said to himself here i will erect my seaport and my capital peter's command went forth and at his word like magic this great stone city sprang into being piles by the millions were driven down to make the foundation the river neva was held back by walls of granite and every russian subject was called upon to do something to build the new capital every noble in the land was ordered to build a house in st petersburg and every russian who owned five hundred serfs had to put up a two-story house no matter whether he lived on the edge of the caspian sea or on the border of the ural mountains every vessel on the russian rivers and every russian ship on the baltic had to bring a load of stones to aid in building the city and all the peasants nearby were ordered to help forty thousand men were drafted every year to aid in the work and nobles as well as peasants dug out the foundations and built up the houses even the criminals from prisons were made to toil here under the guns of the guards and through it all the emperor lived in a little house by the river and watched the building this house still stands and we drive across the neva to see it it is so small that it would hardly be noticed if it were placed in the great ballroom of the winter palace it contains two rooms and a kitchen and is not unlike one of the cabins of our forests of wisconsin and michigan the russians reverence it as the home of their great emperor and they have built another house over it that it may withstand the weather as we walk through it we can hardly realize that when it was built less than two hundred years ago the wolves howled in the woods all about it and that now more than one hundred million people look upon it as the chief place upon earth leaving this lowly hut we again cross the neva to visit the palaces and government departments and learn more about the russia of today we find that the emperor has still nominally almost as much power as had peter the great although in reality he rules largely through his cabinet ministers and state council representing the provinces we have learned that there are seventy-nine states in the russian empire each of which has some officials appointed by the czar but most of which are more largely ruled by the people themselves we learn that the empire contains the enormous number of about one hundred and thirty million people 
and of these more than one hundred millions live in russia the european russians are chiefly of the slav race but there are many other races in different parts of the country and more than thirty different peoples in the caucasus alone at the war and navy departments we are shown that the russians have a great navy and that their army is one of the strongest of the world and at other offices are told that the government is doing its best to develop the enormous natural resources of the empire by building railroads opening mines and encouraging the people in all sorts of manufacture and trade russia is also rapidly developing its vast possessions outside europe railroads are building in siberia and central asia which have opened up rich territories in that continent mines of gold silver iron and coal are being worked and vast tracts of grain and cotton are cultivated many thousand russian peasants emigrate to these countries every year so that in time much of asia will be populated by the slav race we make excursions north into finland traveling through the woods by hundreds of beautiful lakes and also along the coast where there are fjords like those of scandinavia the inhabitants remind us of the swedes although there are some people in the extreme north known as finns who are of the yellow race the people finlanders everywhere are different from the russians although they are ruled by the czar who has the title of the grand duke of finland they have a senate at helsingfors where they make their own laws and have to some extent a government of their own the finlanders are chiefly farmers dairymen and lumbermen they are far more thrifty and better educated than the russians they have neat villages made of log cabins and some fine cities such as helsingfors the capital which lies on the gulf of finland having an excellent harbor another trip takes us to warsaw on the vistula in russian poland here the inhabitants are almost all poles they are a high-spirited people who for a long time had a kingdom of their own they had some of the best lands of europe but the russians and prussians who coveted their property made war upon them and conquered them and divided up poland so that russia now has here a state about as large as new york with the soil fully as rich the poles still keep their own language and customs but they are ruled by the czar they have many large towns warsaw being the third city in size of the whole russian empire End of chapter thirty four